been listening to MOD Channel. Hi guys, welcome to my podcast. This is MOG Channel where we help you to see a real and practical Christians from God's Word. If you're new here, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. Today, we're going to go into part two of Pills for Your Anxiety, like I promised. Okay, so I'm keeping my end of the bargain. And uh, we're going to just pick up from where we stopped. All right, to do, to do a recap, we spoke about the world's anxiety. Of course, I veered off into some other things, but the idea there was that anxiety is a byproduct all right anxiety as i'm really going to be zooming in on that today that anxiety is a byproduct all right to be anxious is to be worried and that word you can use for it is worry okay um to be worried is what i like to call negative meditation okay a focus on certain things that's unhealthy all right when you are worried about uh something you can imagine how that feels your mind is just going over this thing over and over and over and over and over again uh, i like i saw a post on instagram yesterday i think and it was a very nice post uh, lady said um i've learned to um stop is it stop let me just paraphrase maybe stop overthinking things and just focus on solutions all right stop overthinking things and just focus on solutions so um i would like to define anxiety in that box that is when i'm just focusing on things over and over that is overthinking things blowing things out of proportion have you have you ever uh worried and you realize that the things you're worrying about look so big all right so big and then by the time um that time has passed or the issue has passed you look back and say why was i even worried about it but when you're worried it occupies your mind or thoughts you can't sometimes people can eat all right people can't sleep because of worry people can't enjoy themselves because of worry and that's what happens to you in that state okay so um when god tells you do not worry okay look at verse um 25 in matthew 6 he says therefore i say to you do not worry about your life okay don't worry about your life remember yesterday we looked at the fact that we said no one can serve two masters and we said the two masters are god or mammon that mammon is a system designed to make you selfish to live for you all right so that system is actually what brings worry because that system prioritizes natural things that system prioritizes what natural things natural things things of the earth whether it's marriage whether it's uh what else whether it's a good job whether it's a good business whatever the point is those things are good but it prioritizes them above god so you find yourself anxious overly concerned tired frustrated because your focus your mind everything about you is concerned about those things and remember we said um in verse 25 god is telling us is not life more than food and the body more than clothing that is you can actually put things in such a place in your life or your heart that you can't really... Fo- you know, I mean, imagine someone who doesn't have admission, all right, into university. Maybe you're trying to get admission to university and, uh, you know, you've r- written jam, you've done... Imagine how worried such a person will be. Now, of course, we're not saying don't be concerned about things like that, but 
there's a way you can worry about such as if the world has ended. There's a way you can worry about such as if there is nothing else that matters. <laughs> Are you seeing that? And um, we're going to contrast this and you're going to see what actually matters more, what you should be doing. For example, you've not gotten admission. You know, the Christian should never be deterred by something like that because in the bit that I've not gotten admission, all right, the truth is that the scriptures gives us what to be busy about. God's word gives us what to do. You know, if if you just want to focus on God's word, you'll be so busy, you may be wondering whether you should go to school or not. I'm telling you. You may be asking, should I actually go to school? Should I actually do this master's? Should I just abandon everything and just follow this Jesus? I'm telling you, because God's word will keep you busy. Let me say that again. God's word will keep you busy. You will be busy. You'll be focused. There's going to be so much to do if you obey God's word. I'm telling you, if you take responsibility for the gospel, there will be so much to do that these other things will not preoccupy your mind so much. I'm telling you, like, while you're waiting and you're trusting God and believing God for whatever you're believing God for, there's one thing that you should be doing, and that's the gospel. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. All right, so let's move back, okay? So it's an unhealthy concern about material things that usually leads to worry all right and usually worry um shows us one particular thing worry helps us to see something i'm looking for the word worry exposes that's the word worry exposes our mistrust of god worry exposes our lack of belief our lack of faith in god and his ability to provide meanwhile god is actually capable god is actually able to do things but here's the kicker you see, pulling from God's fatherhood or pulling from God's ability to provide requires faith, requires trust. You see that faith is the highway by which the help of God comes to you. Are you seeing that? So faith is how you receive from God. Faith is like the spoon that you use to draw out of what God has given you. Mark, uh, that should be Mark 11, right? Mark eleven twenty three or to 25, actually tells us clearly, all right, that God has already provided. It lets us know that God has already actually provided. That's why it says, whatever things you desire when you pray, it says, believe you receive and you have them. And that word, believe you receive, you receive word there is actually the word lambano. Lambano means to lay hold, to take of what is already there, to receive. So something has already been made available. All you need to do what is receive. Are you seeing that? Or be receptive. It's like network, for example. You say, my phone has no network. My phone has no network. Oh, there's no Wi-Fi. Oh, let's use Wi-Fi. There's no Wi-Fi. There's no Wi-Fi. Calm down. Just turn your Wi-Fi on. Because the Wi-Fi signal is already available. At least in my own house. So there's Wi-Fi. All right? The Wi-Fi signal is already available. It's already been made available. It's been paid for. All you have to do is turn your phone on and receive. But many believers, the Wi-Fi is off. And they're like, oh, God... Where is your ability to provide God? If you are if you are good, you provide God. If you are, but no, God is saying the way you receive is by faith. Are you seeing that? It's by faith. Faith is how you receive from God. Faith is how you lay hold of what God has already been available. Whatever you are trusting God for, trust me, God is our Father. So it's not when you are saying God, I want this, that God now starts to rush and say, Hey, uh, she needs this. Oh, hmm. school fees. Oh, hmm. money. Oh, hmm. how are we going to do this? Hey, let's uh, tell Ngozi. Let's let's send that angel. No, God doesn't panic like that. God is organized. Before the need ever arose, God had already made a provision. God had already stirred the heart. God had already done what he needed to do. 
It's for us to actually take hold of that. And that's just what faith is, to take hold of what God has already provided. Are you seeing that? To take hold of it. And the beautiful thing about faith is that we don't rely on our faith. The Bible says we have like precious faith, talking about the fact that the same faith that was in the apostles, that was in Christ, that is in every believer, is in us. And that faith is the faith of God. So when he says in Mark 11, he says, have faith in God. It's actually have the God kind of faith. That's the better translation. Have God's faith. It's from that faith. And I say, whoever shall say to this mountain, be moved and to cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe, you know, the things he says will come to pass. He will have whatever he says. So it's that faith, God's very own faith that we have. So we can't say, oh, I lack faith. I don't have faith. No, 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 no. You've just not recognized, all right, what you have. Philemon 1 6 says the sharing of your faith becomes effective by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So there's good things in you, including the faith of God. You have to acknowledge it. You have to recognize it. And that's when it begins to work for you. You realize I actually don't have a problem believing. Are you seeing that? I don't have a belief problem because God's faith, not my own faith, because your own faith is based on what you can see around you. You know, your own faith is the show me the money kind of faith. I won't, it's the Thomas kind of faith. I will not believe till I put my hand in the side. That's the Thomas kind of faith. It wants to see to believe. And that's okay. Are you with me? We need that common sense. Actually, we use it in our everyday lives. But you see, when it comes to the God kind of faith, all right, it's still facts, but the facts are not, the facts are God's words. The facts are not material. So the man's kind of faith or the Thomas kind of faith says, uh, when I see the money, when I see it, I'll believe. The God kind of faith says, God's words have already gone ahead. Believe God's words and you see the result. Are you seeing that? So we have the faith to believe God's word. How did that faith come? Uh, that should be Romans 10. All right. It says, faith, that should be, if you read down, 9 down, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. All right. That word actually, word of God is a message. So faith came once actually. Faith comes by what's here in the gospel. So when you heard the gospel, the spirit of God came into you and the faith of God came at the same time. So you have God's faith to believe. You can actually believe for anything. Are you seeing that? But you see God's provision, everything is on the other side of faith. Everything that God has made available is on the other side of faith. So you have to believe God. You have to grow your capacity to believe God. How do you do that? Well, that's why you must believe in God's word. Our, our world today is so full of noise. So full of nonsense. So full of bad news. So full of, will I say, misinformation that um, the average person finds it extremely hard to believe God. And there are several reasons for that. But I won't go into those reasons too much. One thing I will tell you that building your faith in God requires a lot of focus, a lot of you know, taking our time to actually listen to God's word, you get over and over to reassure your heart to believe him or to, to take what he's saying as true. Are you seeing that? Now, um, there is a definition of faith. I won't really call it a definition, but there is a pointer to faith, a, a way of looking at faith that I think really encapsulates what faith is about because we're going to see now that faith is not divorced from action. Faith is belief. If I believe something, truly believe something, there will be actions. There will be um, a way of showing. It's just like if I um, say right now to everyone listening that wherever you are behind you is a red fire-breathing dragon. The evidence you believe me is that you would quickly turn around, like quickly, like, you know, you, you want to check. Ah. But you know, as I've said, that most of you are like, ah, please leave that thing. 
You see that? You don't believe me. But if you believe me, there's an action that backs up your belief. Are you seeing that? There's an action. There's action. So faith is actually, faith is, is expressed by actions. It's not action alone. There's the acceptance of it mentally, but it's expressed by actions. In other words, if I believe God, I'll do this. If I believe God, I'll do that. If I believe God, this is going to happen. If I believe God, that's going to happen. And this is where many people are missing it. Because you say you believe God, but there is no commensurate action. There is no step or action step that actually shows that you actually believe what you're saying. So, let's look at Hebrews 11, verse 1. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Alright? Now, the people talking, uh, if you read uh, verse 2, it says, by which the elders obtain a good report. The elders here is talking about the people in what we call the Old Testament today who believed or had faith in God and it was counted to them as righteousness, just like Abraham, alright? And if you read Hebrews 11 down, you're going to see all those people. Abraham, Abel, um, Noah, David, um, Jephthah, Moses, all of them. You see that they all believed God. They all had faith in God and it was counted as righteousness. And that was what was used um, to, or that was what qualified them, are you with me, concerning salvation. Their belief in God. They walked with God in their time. Alright? And that was what was accredited to them as faith or righteousness. That is, they were in right standing with God. They were, they, they did the right thing. Are you seeing that? Now, so, it says, faith, their faith is what we're referring to here. Their faith is the substance of things hoped for. So, they hoped for something. That hope was actually in salvation because they were fallen men. They did not have the Spirit of God in them. So, there's no way they could have been saved. However, they received salvation on a promissory note. By their faith in God, they received salvation on a promissory note. Meaning that when Christ came and died, alright, and rose from the dead, they received that salvation. They received that spirit that they had they had hoped for. They had believed for over thousands of years. So they didn't receive what they wanted at that point, but there was an action step. Today, salvation is not a promise. It's not, it's not a promise note. Are you with me? It's something that is now. But when it comes to faith, faith for things, for example, there is still the, will I say the hope? In other words, let's say I believe God for money or school fees or whatever. There is the, and I'll just use the word hope as um, like it's still in the future. You've not seen what you are you are believing for, all right? But it said that they, these people here, is is faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, all right? So meaning that there was something they did, all right, in the present, okay, that secured what they were hoping for in the future. It secured it. There's there were actions that they took to say they believed what God said. Because in the essence of faith, to believe what God has said. If it's provision, for example, are you going to believe what your parents are telling you about the provision or are you believe, going to believe what God has said about provision? If it's your health, are you going to just believe what the doctor has said? All right? You know, when I said I'm pausing because there are many things the doctor could say, okay? Sometimes it's actually okay to follow the doctor. Um, someone puts it like this and I think I, I really agree with that few points that um, when it comes to believing God for a healing, okay? Um, if in the process of, you know, believing God, especially when it's something like terminal or something really serious. If in the process of believing, you have not received an express witness from God 
to not go ahead with a let's say a medical procedure <laughs> go ahead with the procedure there's nothing wrong with it go ahead with the procedure you understand if there's an interruption where god says don't do it then don't do it but if there's nothing about that then go ahead and you know medicine is actually good it's godly there's nothing wrong with it the problem will be when you put your faith in medicine and not god that's where the issue will be because you're going to find out that doctors will fail you doctors have flaws they are not omniscient they don't know everything all right so faith is the substance of things so for the evidence of things not see so there's evidence there's something that you are doing at this point to, to point to the fact that you believe okay um in the realm of healing i always like to say that my pastor would teach it like this um when you are prayed for he says do what you could not do why because at the place of doing what you could not do that is where the miracle have that is the evidence that you believe if i if i have been healed then i'll do what i could not do okay and usually we see a miracle in that case so but in other areas of your life there are other do's there are other things you do all right that shows i believe what i have you know like he said i believe what god's word has said and let me take out a brief second to say that this thing requires persuasion again i already said earlier you get faith is persuasion okay faith is you have to be persuaded about it and that's why a believer has to have the habit of spending time with god's word spending time with scriptures spending time with testimonies and all that you know those things help to build a person's conviction it built to build a person's persuasion concerning god's word take time to meditate on god's word it builds your persuasion and so what that does is that it, it gets you ready for the day of trial or day of adversity i've always said this that it's a bad thing for you to be building your faith all right when you have an emergency you should build it before not when you get there it's like the leading of the spirit you don't wait till you want to hear god on who to marry then you start praying to hear god you should have be, you should have had a track record of being led by the spirit of god before then so that when the leading of god comes it is easy for you to receive are you seeing that so faith is substantial faith is belief it is not disconnected from action if you believe, there will be actions that prove that. Let's look at how these elders obtained a good report. All right, Hebrews 11 verse 7. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen. Notice not yet seen. In Noah's case, there was a flood. All right, God warned him that there was going to be a flood. Man's sin had actually brought the earth to a place where there was going to be destruction. And God warned Noah. Are you seeing that? God won't know. Now, he said, being divinely one of things, yet not seen. He had not seen it. But he was moved with godly fear. That's godly reverence. He so valued God's word that he moved. What, what, did, he, what did he do? He prepared an ark for the saving of his household. Are you seeing that? He prepared an ark. So he believed God and he acted. He believed God and he acted. His actions proved he believed. If he said, God, I believe you. I believe you. I'm going to say, Noah, when is this ark going to be finished? Uh, Lord, I believe you. I believe you. When will the ark be finished? When will you do the ark? Lord, we are coming. That is not someone who believes that there's going to be a flood. It was about how many years? Uh, I'm not sure it was 120. But he spent time building. He spent time building. He spent time building. God, you know, had God in his mercy had allowed 120 years as he had held back that flood for 120 years. All right. After that, God had to take his hands off because that's what happens actually. Um, it's not like God is the one that brought the flood. No. Man's sin. Sin has the ability to affect the earth. Sin has the ability to destroy things. Sin has the ability to actually bring like 
bad things and that's why god one reason that god actually you know helps tries to keep us from it because it's destructive so a flood was coming based on the sin of these people if you read um that should be genesis chapter 6 it tells you about how wicked man had been at that point and every thought and intention of his heart was evil wicked there was so much wickedness in the land so much that is we unspeakable wickedness so there was actually judgment coming. In this case, judgment is not God inflicting the whole world. Ju- judgment is actually the consequence of man's actions where God will have to, because when you keep on sinning, you are telling God, I don't want you. I don't want this. You know, sin is more like a rejection, a rebellion. All right. So the more you do it, it's like you saying, look, God, take your hands off. I don't care. I don't want things your way. You know, can go to blazes. And that's so eventually God has to take his hands off. You know, I'm going to do a podcast on the goodness of God uh, sometime soon. So watch out for that where we'll be taking this thing step by step and explaining God's goodness. All right. So he was divinely warned and then he took action. All right. And it says by which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. So that's how he was called righteous because he believed God. He acted on God's word. Are you seeing that? Hebrews 11 verse 8, but by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called out to go to a place that he would receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Are you seeing that? He went not knowing where he was going. He believed God. He obeyed God. He just went. Are you seeing that? By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place where he would receive an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. You see that? So you have to see that faith will always result to certain actions. Okay? And we're going to tie back into worry and all that. Don't don't worry. All right? But you can go and do extra readings. Hebrews, let's read Hebrews. You're going to see the different um, expressions of faith that these people actually did or, or undertook, you get, that was accounted to them as righteousness. Okay? So, let me say this. So, worry is an expression of something else. All right? If faith or your actions of faith are an expression of trust in God, that means worry will be the opposite. Because if I'm worrying, if I'm worrying about something, if, I, if I'm obsessed about something in a negative manner, if I'm afraid of... That means there is actually fear present and there is unbelief. There is fear present, there is unbelief, and there is also probably doubt. So let me let differentiate. So... Um, Fear is when um, you are afraid. Actually, fear is actually... Yeah, I'm using the word fear and afraid. Fear is when you suspect that there's going to be harm to you. So that emotion, when you feel there's going to be harm to you, is what we call fear. All right? Unbelief is when you actually refuse to believe something in the face of evidence. Unbelief is when you refuse to actually acknowledge something in the face of evidence. So in this case, we're saying that if you are worried, if you are consistently worried, it's very, very, very likely, most likely there are two things involved. One is that there is fear. You are you are very conscious of something that could harm you, all right? Um, you are afraid, all right? That's why you're worrying, okay? You are afraid there's going to be some form of harm in, or maybe in this case, you are, there's going to be some form of unmet expectations, okay? And there is unbelief. Unbelief is that you don't believe God is able. Let me put it like that. So these two are based on, um, how will I put it? These two are based on a lack of belief, obviously. They are based on disregarding the information about God. They are based on 
discarding what you are supposed to know about God. Because you see, it's not enough to just have knowledge about God. There is a God. God wants you to take a step further to believe in Him. So when you don't believe in Him, these two things are going to be byproducts. Unbelief. When you read, I don't believe is actually a kind of rejection of God, as we are going to see. You reject God's plan. You reject what God wants, and that leaves you in a state of fearfulness. Okay, so um, and this is really because man has been reduced to a fearful state based on his rebellion, based on his sin. Man has been what reduced to a fearful state based on his rebellion, based on his sin. Okay, so let's explain that. In Genesis, we see clearly that God had very good plans for man, okay? In Genesis 2, we see that God tells man, of every tree may freely eat, you know, but don't eat from this other tree. And we know that there were not trees. I've explained that before, that there was, meanwhile, if you want more detail about that, don't miss our school of hard knocks coming up um, this, should be this January, should be this January, don't miss it. Either late January, early February, it's a... Um, like a two-week-long course and it's going to be at your own pace for a limited time. It's going to be a course that's going to be opened up, all right? Um, it's not exactly live, but it's opened up and then you take it at your own pace. So don't miss that because we're going to be diving into these depths, you know, concerning all these things. Things I've been saying as snippets in the podcast, you will have the full dosage. So if you've not gone through School of Hard Knocks, stay tuned, all right? Stay tuned. Watch out. Watch out for School of Hard Knocks. So, we see in Genesis 3, all right? Genesis 2, God tells them, um, eat or take of life. Actually, tree of life is just a figure of speech. Actually, it's talking about take of life. God wanted to dwell in man. He wanted man to have his life from the beginning, which is what Christ comes to offer later. And he says, take of that, but man refuses. Man rejects that. So when man rejects it, what happens? It is symbolized. Moses symbolizes it as the eating of the other tree. There was really no tree. It was just a choice. So Genesis 3 verse 6, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took it or she took of it fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves, are you seeing that, from the presence of the Lord and among the trees of the garden. So why did they hide? Then the Lord God called Adam and said to him, Why are you? He said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was what? Afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So, of course, he was not afraid before, but for now, because of sin's effects, he is now afraid. Okay, why is he afraid? Well, because of sin and rebellion. Okay, all right. What is sin? Sin, sin in this case is to go against God's order is to go against the plan of God, is to go against the way God set things to be, is to, is to forge your own path and say, I don't want anything to do with you or your government. I will do things my way. But you see, the problem with a rebel is that he destroys everything else. A rebel brings disorder. A rebel brings chaos. All right? Um, and, and the way we can see that, look, look at, just look at our world today. All right? In a country, for example, there are laws that dictate what we are supposed to do, our responsibilities as citizens, what we are obliged to do, our behavior, so that everybody can get along and live in peace. But imagine someone says, I live by my own rules. So traffic light comes, he refuses to obey the traffic laws, he just goes through, he risks killing other people. All right? He's, there's a thou shall not steal law. He says, I don't care about the law, I'm going to take what I want. Okay? So the question, who are you going to take that from? 
you're going to be depriving someone else of his or her rights because you want to do things your own way. So, you see, that's just the concept of rebellion. Rebellion always affects other people. Rebellion is not isolated to you. It is very destructive. And that's why, what do we do with someone who is rebellious in our society? We lock the person up. Because if you don't want to abide by the laws and rules of the country so that everybody can harmonize, we will lock you somewhere so that every other person can get along. It's just how it is. So, in that sense, man rebelled against God. And of course, a rebel is always hiding. A rebel is never, you know, doesn't have any confidence. A, a thief or an arm robber in Nigeria today, for example, does not have any confidence with the government. You don't, there's no confidence with the government. There's no friendship with the government. There's always this fear of punishment and fear of... So, obviously, that's... So, a man's state of rebellion, he's hiding. Have you seen a baby who has come of age and knows right and wrong and then they do something wrong? What they do? They hide. Because they know they've, just, they've, they've, they've messed up the order of things. So they ex- there's an expectation of punishment. Are you seeing that? So, man would rather go his own way, facing life alone, that, than embracing the lordship of God. You see that? He would rather go at life by himself and make life about himself. Remember that we discussed that earlier and even yesterday's podcast. He would rather make life about himself than about God. Are you seeing that? He would rather embrace, he wants to be the Lord. He doesn't want to submit to the true Lord. You see that? So because of that constant um, state of rebellion, there's always going to be fear. Why? Because you expect punishment. Are you seeing that? You expect punishment. To accept God is to accept his Lordship. To accept his lordship is to accept his provision. You cannot just say, I'll just have God's provision and I refuse to accept his lordship. But funny enough, you see, the Bible says he makes his sun and rain to shine on the just and the unjust. In other words, God still actually provides for everyone. He takes care of everybody, actually. But you see, that's on a minimal level. If you want to, you know, how will I put it? If you want to see more of God's provision, you have to do it by faith. Okay? So, Worrying is a result of man's rebellion. is a result of sin, okay, and fear and all that. And based on that, man is not in a place of confidence before God. And one reason is because he doesn't want to be in that place whereby God tells him what to do. He doesn't want to abide by God's laws. At least a lot of men, people are like that. So they rather stay away from God and go at things their own way and stumble and make all the mistakes and, you know, because there is God's fatherhood, but we don't want it. So we want our own thing. <laughs> so to accept his lordship is to accept his provision. You can't eat your cake and have it. Man will keep worrying because he doesn't want God in the picture. Are you seeing that? You know, verse 30 of the text tells us, it says, O ye, in Matthew 6, it says, O ye of little faith. So the problem there with people you know, and their worrying, their constant worrying is their faith in God's ability to provide. Their faith in Him. Are you seeing that? Their faith in His goodness, in His mercy, in how gracious He is. Their faith, it's, it's a lack of faith in His goodness to you despite your shortcomings. James 5, 1 verse 5 tells us, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and does not find fault. So, when we believe that God is finding fault, we don't approach God. When we find ourselves, because there's such, there's one of being rebellious, I don't want anything to do with God. But there are those who have believed in God. Are you seeing that? But then, because they don't believe in his goodness yet, they don't really believe he's truly good or 100% good, they're afraid of him. They, they, they lack the confidence to ask him or to forge ahead. 
So it says, oh, you of little faith. You don't believe in God's goodness because you see God's father, fatherhood and his goodness are synonymous. If you believe in his fatherhood, you have to believe that he's a good father. And I like that text that says that if it says if you as a father, if you ask if your child asks you for an egg, will you give him a serpent? It says if you being evil, all right. It says good give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father? give the Holy Ghost to those who ask. So he compares the fatherhood of man with God's fatherhood and says there's no comparison. He calls your own evil. So everything points to the fact that God is a good father. You have to believe that. If you don't believe that, you actually will not enjoy God's provision because you'll keep worrying. You won't have the confidence. It's like an uncle that tells you, see, or your dad, or who, don't worry, I'll pay your fees. You know, you believing that your dad is going to pay your fees will based on two things. Number one, his track record of paying fees or finances in the past, right? His track record has always done it. And then maybe you should have some knowledge of his bank account, what he makes, how much he makes. That's where your confidence will come from. But if he doesn't have that track record, guess what? You keep worrying. But in this case, we're talking about the ultimate father. God is the ultimate father. So if he's the ultimate father, what does that mean for you? It means that he has, he doesn't just have the will to do good to you. He also has the ability to provide. He has the ability to provide. Are you seeing that? We have to believe in his fatherhood. We have to believe in his love. You see that? The father knows we need these things. That's Matthew 6 verse 32. It says, for after all these things, the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knows you need these things. He knows. That's a good father. He knows. And if he knows him, he has already made provision. The problem is you can't access the provision because you either are rejecting his fatherhood and his love or you are rejecting his or he rejects his fatherhood or you are not aware enough. You are not confident in his goodness or his ability to provide for you. And that's a very, very big problem. Are you seeing that? So if we allow, you know, his goodness to become our consciousness it will lead us to be far less anxious because we trust his ability to provide for us are you seeing that we begin to see him as our source and not people because one of the problems things that cause anxiety is that you know what you eat what you drink and all that because you are looking at men you're looking at your job you're looking at your parents you're looking at all those things you can look at all those people and you can miss out on god's fatherhood you can miss out on who he is you miss out on his own place or part to play because your father has become your source. The bank has become your source. Your boss has become your source and not God. Are you seeing that? So, guys, <laughs> that's a lot for today. I thought I would even finish, but I, apparently I'm not done. I still have some work to do on this and we are going to look at that tomorrow, right? So, today is the 14th of January and I hope well this is you're probably going to get this tomorrow but then um i hope that you allow this to stay your consciousness towards god and have rest have peace of mind when it comes to his fatherhood and his ability to provide for you i want to look more into all that tomorrow all right guys have a wonderful day god bless you and share this let someone listen to this and and also receive some relief okay guys that's it for today have a wonderful day and uh, bye-bye If this blessed you, or you want to say hi, or you have a question, you can head over to my Instagram at pst.sen, p 
p s t e s s i e n